Welcome to the Progressive Property Podcast, helping you invest in property for freedom, choice, and profit. You'll learn new, innovative, and multiple streams of property income, whether you want to start, scale, or systemize, and even if you don't have deposits. Hi, it's Rob Moore here, and welcome to the Progressive Property Podcast. Now, no, this isn't Peter Jones. I co-founded Progressive Property, and this episode is the part two of the upsides and downsides of joint ventures. So we're mostly going to be focusing on the downsides because they're important to know. It's not about being negative. It's about being realistic and setting yourself up for success. And then I'll give you some bonus material towards the end of the podcast. Now, if you haven't yet listened to the upsides or the first part, the first episode of this two-parter, I recommend you do that now or straight after this episode. Let's get straight in with the episode. Hi, it's Rob Moore here, and this is part two of the upsides and downsides of doing joint ventures. And maybe nine or ten mistakes I think Mark and I have made, I've made more of them than than he has, doing our joint ventures over the years, or at least the things we've learned by, you know, maybe when we were a bit raw or, I don't know, maybe, you know, sometimes got a bit emotional. You can often get a bit selfish when you're doing joint ventures. So in part one, just to recap... I covered the upsides and the upsides, I'll just really briefly remind you, one plus one equals three. You can get a lot more than just double done when you have a joint venture partner. The strengths and weaknesses are balanced because you're strong in an area, but where you're weak, it doesn't get done and everything gets ruined in that area and vice versa. So you balance each other's strengths and weaknesses. If you have a partner with different skill sets, which I think is a must, then you should also have a similar vision, which I think is a must, and you get massive momentum that way. Um, I'll give you an example of uh, some of the things that I outsource to Mark. Worrying, as well as research, diligence, analysis, deal-making, you know, submitting plans, dealing with planners, brokers, financiers, solicitors. He, he's, he worries for me. Um, that's kind of his personality. His, his brain is always on. Um, you have someone to share the victories with, which feels amazing. It's not, not very fun when you have to share victories alone. And then you get someone to support you when you're having downtimes, challenges, defeats, getting disrupted, got bad PR, whatever. You get more than twice done. You probably get 10 times done with two of you. I know it shouldn't work out that way, that way but it has this compounded effect. One plus one equals a lot. You get multiple streams of income if there's more than one of you. Uh, and you can probably, like I said, take on not just twice as much, but three or four or five times as much because you're you've got your skills on the one end. They've got their skills on the other end, but you can manage people at your end they, and your partner can manage people their end. So you're getting a lot more done because you're managing people and process and you're each leveraging as well. Of course, in joint ventures, if one has the time, one has the money. Uh, or the ethic or the ability to source, for example, the property deals, as well as um, strengths and weaknesses, JVs. Of course, you have functional JVs of, you know, like Bose make the hi-fis and Audi make the cars. Rory McIlroy plays the golf and Rolex and Nike give him a load of money for sponsorships. And so it is with property. One person provides the funds, the other person sources the deals, manages the deals. And that's a great uh, win-win in a JV. And of course, you build double the network and you get double the contacts, uh, which is also very useful. And then when your partner introduces you to their network, you've got a good in because, you know, they already have a trusted network and you can introduce your partner into your trusted network. Okay, so now we're going to cover the downsides. So I think it's important to note that there are upsides and downsides in joint ventures. And one of the things that triggered me to do this video was I was shocked 
in the disruptive entrepreneur community that someone basically put, oh, what's the point in having partners? No one could do anything as well as you. They always let you down. They slow you down. It's a waste of time. And I thought, wow, I'm shocked at that. I guess because I've had a, a good run, 11 years with Mark, and hopefully it lasts for another 55 years. Uh, and then a lot of people went and going, oh, yeah, yeah, you don't need partners. You've got to do it yourself. And there was, you know, and I was just like, wow, I, I just... I, I was just surprised that so many people are so anti-partnerships. Warren Buffett has 88 companies under Berkshire Hathaway, and most of those are partnerships. Uh, and, um, you know, if you look at a lot of big brands, that they have partnerships, sponsorships, endorsements. So it's a pretty common thing. Richard Branson with Virgin is partnerships. So I guess I wanted to sort of, you know, open the shed the light on this. Now, some things you will want to think about when you do joint ventures. If, you, if you're a disruptive, hungry, hungry entrepreneur, if you've got a clear vision of what you want to do, if you don't want anyone to hold you back, if you, this is, you know, you're, you're a bit sort of blinkered, then, yeah, having a JV partner is going to challenge you. They are going to, you're going to feel like, you know, maybe you've got less autonomy because you've got someone to answer to, which I actually think is a good thing as well, but it is a downside to some. You may feel they're holding you back because Mark is always... Not always, always, but often questioning some decisions I make. Make I want to do a new thing, a new thing, a new thing, and a new thing. And Mark's like, mm, why don't you just do more of the thing we're already doing? And you know, like I'll say to Mark, how can we grow our turnover? And he'll he'll reply with a different question, which is how can we reduce our costs? I'm like, that wasn't the question I asked. And but he'll say, but that's a better question to ask. So you'll get challenged. You'll have a less autonomy. You might feel like you're being held back by a JV partner, especially if they're a good JV partner, i.e. they're really different to you. But I see that now as a huge upside, whereas I think in the first two or three years, I did see that as a downside, but that's because I wasn't used to it. That's because my ego got in the way and I didn't want to be challenged. But now I know it's so important to be challenged, to see things from a different perspective. So something to think about. Of course, you've got to share half if you have a JV partner. Now, some people see that as a bad thing. I see that as a good thing because I'm sharing half of a hundred or a thousand times more than I was making when I was a skin artist. In fact, it's, mo it's millions times more. In fact, because I was in debt, it's infinite times more. So I'd rather share half of a lot than have, you know, a hundred percent of not much. But, you know, some people don't really want to share. They don't want to share ideas. They don't want to share vision. They don't want to share money. And, you know, I'm not saying that's wrong, but I think it's a great thing to be in a partnership where you do get to share. I like sharing. And yeah, but some people don't want to give away half. Okay. Um, it can be hard to find the right partner. Now, of course, many of you will probably ask me, how do you find the right partner? How long should you, it, it take? Where do you find them? How do you analyze them? You know, you can't exactly go to everyone at a networking event with a clipboard and say, um, you know, before you tell me your name, I'd just like you to, to tick these 20 uh, boxes to, to, to check if uh, you could be a viable JV partner to me. You know, that doesn't happen. You've got to do that over time. You've got to have half in your mind what you're looking for and then see if those character traits show themselves over the few months that you get to know them. Now, Mark and I probably weren't really that clear in the early days. In fact, I don't think we were at all on what we wanted the other JV partner to be like in terms of skills and strengths. And we didn't really know we were going to be the yin and the yang as such. We just got to know each other with no ulterior motives. And I think that was useful um, because, you know, he got to know me. I got to know him. He didn't sense I was after his money. I didn't sense he was trying to, you know, engineer me in any way or control me, etc., and we, we developed a friendship as well as a business partnership. And we worked together in a company for a few months. Now, Mark had a load of money and I didn't, you know, and, and as we started to do the same thing in the same space and got friendly, of course, the discussion of doing it together got put in the pot. Now, Mark had had a few months to watch me and to judge me without me trying to impress him or trying to sell to him or change the way I was around him because he didn't know. I didn't know I was being watched and he didn't tell me he was watching me. 
and vice versa, I got to do the same with Mark in my own way without knowing it. And of course, I do these videos and progressive do all of our joint venture training to reverse engineer what we did well, what we didn't know we were doing well, what we did accidentally well, the mistakes we made. So you don't necessarily have to have a checklist. You just want to go and watch them over time and see if they display your traits. Now, you know, if you're, if you're banking on one person, you know, that's probably not going to come off. You're going to probably have to meet 10, 20, maybe even 50 people to find the right one. And that's OK. So, yes, it could take time. And yes, you might want to now, but it might take you three months, six months, a year to find your right partner. And, um, you know, that is the way it is. I mean, Mark and I met in right at the end of December 05. Uh, we were buying properties together in March 06. We were working in a company, but we, we were both employed till the end of 06. So really, we weren't completely liberated to be business partners for another pretty much 12 months, um, even though we we're buying to get properties together after three or four months. So, you know, it can take time and, you know, it actually probably should. It's probably better to date for a while before proposing for marriage. OK, now with partnerships, it is messy when they end and it can very much be like a divorce. That is the reality. Uh, and, you know, Mark and I, knowing that it could be messy at the end, probably keeps us more committed to get each other as partners because it would be horrendous um, and we wouldn't like that at all. And of course, everyone knows Rob and Mark. And so I think that gives us some kind of accountability. But yeah, you know, like we've had partnerships that have split, as you know, whether they've been trainers that have trained for Progressive or, you know, whether they've been business partners. And we've learned a lot from that. And it's not always been clean. Now, you know, you do what the best you can with what you know, and you try to be fair, but also you try not to be um, bullied or, um, you know, people to take advantage of you. And you're trying to balance those two forces. You try and unwind it as cleanly as you can. Sometimes a quick break is better. And then you just go through the you know, the uh, pain of a break in the shortest possible time. Sometimes trying to work it out and work through it is also wise. Um, but, you know, like that's like saying I'm never going to get married in case I get divorced. You know, I'm never going to have a friendship in case we fall, you know, fall out of friendship. Uh, you know, it's like, yeah, it's a, it's a reality. When you're in business 10 years, 20 years, 50 years, you're going to have people that come and go in your life. You're going to have staff that come and go. You're going to have partnerships that come and go. You can have relationships that come and go. It's, it, it is the way it is. And I think if you get used to that and accept that, it probably makes it easier and you better at dealing with it. Now, some people may feel that joint ventures would hold them back. Uh, you know, I think in some regards, I mean, I've, I've basically got um, partners in my life, whether it's, you know, my wife or, uh, you know, Catherine, our MD, who I really regard as a partner or Mark. And they're, they're all very grounded people. And they are very practical uh, grounded forces. They're very realists. You know, they 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 pick up details and things that are in front of them a lot more. They have a lot more logic and common sense than myself. And sometimes when they're all at me, I'm like, man, you know, like I've got three of you holding me back here. But of course, when I put my Ferrari through the News International building, you know, when they have a little bit of a word with me, I'm wise to listen. Uh, so, yes, I sometimes feel but, you know, I sometimes feel like that can hold me back. But then I sometimes feel like, right, I'm going to drag you forward. And, um, you know, I'm the one that's creating the chaos and they're the ones that are cleaning it up. So it's fair that for them to try and get me to be a little less chaotic. And actually, when you balance it out, they're two good forces. It's like earth and fire and you, you need both forces. And without each other, I think all of us would probably have gaps in our skill set and our results. And so I'm very grateful to, you know, I've put it on camera and audio life. I'm very grateful to my partners and wife uh, for keeping me grounded. All right, then. So some of the things we've learned in joint ventures uh, and, um, you know, mistakes people make in partnerships, some of which we've made. I think sometimes people focus on what they want and what, you know, what they get out of the partnership. People don't care what you know till they know that you care. 
And people don't want to know what you are going to get out of the partnership, what they want to know, what they want to get. So I think you've got to focus as much as what you give as to what you get. And I think if you come across like I'm trying to get instead of I'm trying to give, then your partner is probably not going to be as motivated to work with you and help you uh, through your own challenges. So focus on what they want and what you can give them as well as, well as what you get. You know, like um, you will get what you give. So give and you will get rather than looking to get. Okay, the next thing is I hear a lot of people saying, oh, well, my partner's not doing this and my partner's not doing that and they're not living up to their side of the deal and they're letting me down. They're focusing on what their partner isn't doing rather than focusing on what they should be doing. And if you want to know the best way to inspire, motivate and lift up your partner to be a better partner is to be a better partner yourself, is to be the change that you want to see. And a lot of people, you know, you've got to focus on your half of the job. But if you're always looking at their half of the job, you're going, oh, you're not doing that, you're not doing that, you should be doing that, you should be doing that. You're not looking at your job and you're looking at their job. And so, you know, and, and I see this a lot. Uh, and, you know, you should be patient. You should be um, forgiving to a certain degree. Uh, and, um, you know, you should focus on getting better yourself. OK, so which leads me on to the next point is if you commit to being the best partner, uh, and I don't say this to be competitive, but just if you commit to being a better partner than your partner, uh, and you want to show them how valuable you are, that will bring them up and they will become more valuable. Uh, certainly when you have partnerships, you know, whether it's husband, wife, business partnerships, close staff, on it, often the people we're closest to is the people we can often not treat as well as strangers. And I think that that's sad, you know, but we can dump our emotions and we can be, um, you know, less caring and less choosy of our words and our emotions with the people that are closest to us. And I, th I think that should be the other way around. I mean, the people that you care about the most, your partners, you know, the people that work for you, I think that you should manage your emotions. You shouldn't dump your grief and your pain and your embarrassment and your shame and your failings onto them. And often people are taking all this pain in and they need to dump it on other people. They need to inflict revenge or bounce it off themselves. The last person you want to do that to is your partner because you're just going to take your baggage and ruin your partnership. So manage your emotions well. And Mark and I, in the early days, you know, we weren't so good at this because we didn't know what we didn't know. And what Mark would do would store it and 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 just say nothing, say nothing, say nothing, even though I knew something was up. And then he'd just have a little bit of a rant and a blur. And then I'd go, each other. And what I used to do is always blurt it out because I had tried to learn to say things as I felt them because I used to hold them in for years and it wasn't good for me. Both my emotional health and also, you know, my bank balance. It was bad. Um, to hold it all in. But then I just used to keep raising too many things all the time or not choose, you know, raising it as it happened instead of picking a good moment. And I think both Mark and I have got a lot better at managing our emotions. We're not perfect. We're going to make mistakes in the future. But I can tell now when he needs to give me feedback because he sits down and he controls what he wants to say in a way he's trying to say it. And I can just see his lip move and I can read his face and I know what he's trying to say. But I know he's, he's inside he's thinking, Rob, you pissed me off. Or Rob, you know, you've made this mistake. Or Rob, what on earth are you doing? Or Rob, you're not listening to me. But he's found a way of being respectful and delivering it to me in an elegant way. And what that does is that gets my walls and my guard down and then that makes me want to do the same. And hopefully I do the same to him, vice versa. And, you know, we've learned that because we respect each other. We admire each other. And because when we've done it in the past, we've regretted it afterwards. We've ended up saying sorry and, you know, not knowing it wasn't the best way. And also, you know, like when you, once you get to know people, you know there's a reason for their, them being emotional to you. Now, for example, I'll give you an example with Mark. Mark does tend to overthink a lot of things. And that can stop him from sleeping sometimes. And I know if Mark hasn't had a good night's sleep, that does affect him. And nearly all the times he may have, you know, the way I perceived it, not dealt with the situation with me, how I would have liked it to have been dealt with, which, by the way, is insanity, because he's never going to deal with me how I want him to deal with me. He's going to deal, deal with me how he deals with me. 
But if I've ever perceived that, often it is because, you know, he's, he's had something go on in his life. So when I care enough to understand what's going on in his life, that helps me be a better partner and I can actually help him. You know, yes, your partner should be doing this over here and you doing that over there. But what's wrong with you helping them do their things if they're struggling in their area? You're a partner after all. It's not like, well, that's your responsibility. You know, you should, you should help them where you can. Uh, I think a lot of people in joint ventures aren't honest. And I think I've had trainers that have worked with Progressive and they've said to me, for example, oh, Rob, I never want to be a competitor with Progressive. I only ever want to work with you. Why would I ever want a training business? And they've lied to my face, um, you know, and, you know, then they've gone and done that. Um, and, you know, like I've got to look at my role in that responsibility. Why didn't they feel comfortable enough with me telling the truth? Um, but, you know, like in the years in partnerships, a lot of people don't tell the truth. And it's often not because they're... Um, it's not because they don't mean well. It's maybe because they don't um, have the courage to tell the truth. It's maybe because they worry that things will go wrong. If things, if, if you know, your refurbs are taking longer than you planned, if their money is going to uh, be a little longer coming out or a bit less of it you'd hoped it was coming out, tell them and tell them early and be honest and say, hey, look, it's not guaranteed, but there might be a chance this refurb is going to go over time. I don't want to worry you in advance, but I want to tell you up front. Um, people will always, always admire you and respect you for being honest. And, you know, if you take the courage to go and pick up the phone or go and meet them face to face and with your intentions and plans, be honest, you know, as as you have them, then your solutions can be created. Uh, you know, and um, yeah, I like I, I just think it helps a lot, to be honest. In partnerships, there often aren't clear roles and responsibilities. So, you know, you're both doing the same thing and neither of you are doing the thing that needs to be done that will end up ruining your business if it's not done. Um, or vice versa in another area. So I think it's really important that you get a pen and paper, you draw a line down the middle, you go, Rob, you go, Mark. What's uh, Mark's role and responsibility? Finance, uh, managing the properties, sourcing the properties, dealing with the legals. What's Rob's responsibility? The training businesses, the producing the content, the building and developing the brand. And it's very important that you delineate roles and responsibilities. If two of you are doing the same thing, one of you isn't needed. And also, you want to do your thing and your partner is micromanaging you and you're both doing it and getting each other's way and having a clash. So it's, it's not good. So you don't therefore want to duplicate tasks. You want to make sure that you're absolutely efficient in um, not duplicating tasks at all. Now, in the early days, Mark, Mark and I just really loved hanging out together. So we actually really loved doing viewings together. We loved making offers together, you know, and um, Mark used to read over a lot of the copy that I used to write. And, and in the end, whilst it was fun for a while... Um, in the end, two of us were doing one thing and none of us was doing another thing. And we used to sort of get in the way of each other because, you know, we'd have a very different style. I'm a much more of a direct, emotional kind of style, much more, 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 more Mark. Mark is a more subdued, laid back, pensive, calculated, analytical style. And in, in a lot of areas that kind of clashed. So what um, Mark and I, I wouldn't say in a day, but over a, a period of a small amount of time, we just kind of, we had this little light bulb, which is, why am I getting in Rob's way? Why am I getting in Mark's way? If I'm going to be Rob's or Mark's JV partner, I'm, I clearly trust him. So I've got to let go and trust him. And often duplication of tasks is the inability for someone to let go, for an overneed of control, for fear, for um, the, you know, the perfection curse. And so you've got to manage yourself to be able to let that go. But you've chosen them to be a partner. Trust them to be a partner. All right. Okay. Um, often there's not enough clarity of the contract of the partnership up front. And um, in the past, I've gone into partnerships because I've got really excited with a partner. We're both really excited. We've got a really good relationship with each other. You know, we've got a great business model and we just let our excitement go a bit fast. It's kind of my personality. And often it's a lot of my JV partners personalities because we're attracted to each other. Uh, and so we go really fast and we make a few million together. And then we're like, oh, well, you said this. No, I didn't. You said this. No, I didn't. You said this. And then and because we, we were so excited and not enough, not much was written down. Uh, and yeah, you know, like, yeah, you could say start now, get perfect later. 
You could say, go out and make a business and some money. But through the process, I think it's also good to have at least a heads of terms, at least an email back and forth exchanging and replying to each other's comments on your agreement and having that saved. Um, because in the past, you know, that, that that's caused some issues. What you don't want to do is spend 28 months negotiating it and getting all analytical about it and missing a chance to get into the business or buy the property or, or whatever partnership you are that you're in. The next thing is people get greedy. And uh, you know like what? We've all felt that because it's a human trait. So I'm not judging here, but I think you have to be careful not to let your greed get the better of you. There's a fine balance between hunger and desire to grow um, and to push your business forward and greed. And, um, you know, we all have these temptations. So I'm not judging anyone, but you know the right thing to do. You know, if, if you found 50 quid on the floor in your office or um, maybe, I don't know, on, down in the bar on a pub or whatever, you know the right thing to do is to hand that in. You know that's the right thing to do. And you would be perfectly excused to pick that up and put it in your pocket. After all, you know, you may not know whose that is, but you know the right thing to do. Uh, and so it is with joint ventures. You know when you're taking too much, being too greedy or, you know, or your products and services are too expensive or you're not giving enough value or whatever. Uh, and just, you know, listen to your heart, do the right thing. Um, because, you know, the sign of great integrity is doing the right thing even when you could have got away with doing the wrong thing or doing the right thing even when no one is watching because the world is always watching. Uh, you know, and when I was younger and a bit more like hustly and grindy, you know, all the Americans are teaching you hustle, hustle, grind, grind. Well, you know, you're, you're trying to get ahead. You're trying to leverage. And sometimes, you know, you make decisions which are hustly, but actually for the long term of your brand and your integrity, if you were looking back, you probably wouldn't do that again. Um, you know, maybe in a bit, being a bit too pushy in your sales, for example, uh, so I think that, you know, that's really important to not let the greed get the better of you. I think in joint ventures, you've got to listen to each other. Uh, sometimes we just want to be heard. Mark will often run things by me and he doesn't even want me to say anything. He just needs me to listen because he can work out the solution if he just chucks it at me. Uh, and so being uh, having the ability to listen is a, such a great skill in a joint venture. And um, it's, it was a skill I either said nothing but took everything in um, listened but didn't hear. And then as I started building my own brand, I gobbed off and probably talk a bit too much and, you know, try my best now to not just listen, but to hear. Um, some partners are too controlling. And I think that, you know, your ability to grow is dictated by your ability to let grow, uh, let go. Um, some joint ventures jump into bed too early. You know, they meet each other at a progressive event. Five minutes later, they're in bed with each other. Uh, I think, um, you know, we've updated a lot of our training to, to give you some of the risks and the warnings as well. Because in the early years, we didn't, we weren't seeing a lot of the downsides of joint ventures that you do in the progressive community, um, because you know it was mostly upside, and you were doing really well, and you hadn't been doing it for three or five years. And then three or five years in, when a couple of the partnerships started to go wrong, because they do, because this is just a, the numbers game of partnerships, um, we started to learn what you were doing that maybe wasn't working for you. And many of you jumped into bed too early, assuming the trust within the progressive property without doing your own um, due diligence and research, which you must always do, regardless of who's introduced you to the partner. Uh, Mark did that. Mark watched me for a distance for a few months and I got to work with him from a distance for a few months. So, uh, yeah, don't jump into bed with each other too early. Now, you're desperate. You want to get a partner. You're working too hard. You know, you're like all these things. Yes, Rob, I resonate with all these things, but you still shouldn't be in too much of a rush. Now, partners are everywhere. Your partner could be in the progressive community. There's 18,000 plus there. If you're listening to the podcast, there's thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of listeners all over the world. You go to property events, business networking events, friends, family members, friends of friends and family members, business owners that friends of friends and family owners, 
No, the trips, the retreats, the courses that you attend, they're anywhere and everywhere. And you just need to let the world know that what you do, so you attract people who are interested in what you do, and that the door is open for you to possibly do ventures, whether it's borrowing money or, you know, going in 50-50 into a new, say, for example, deal packaging business together or whatever. All right. So thanks for tuning in to the live feed in the Progressive Community and the podcast episode as well. If you have any questions, tag me in in the Progressive Property Community about joint ventures. I'll happily answer them. And if we get enough questions that maybe spurn another podcast or video, then by all means, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll do that episode for you. I think if you're watching the video, it's very important for you to listen to the podcast and have it on your in your car or on your ears in the gym or when you go running. I, I think that, you know, this is the sort of content about raising JV funds you need to, to repeat and not just listen to once. And also, if you're watching the video, maybe watch it again. So thanks for tuning in. 